Well, good morning. Good to see you all. I'm really happy to be here uh, in this service this morning. It's been a great weekend. I've just enjoyed this time here so much. I really cherish your fellowship, every one of you. I'm just honored to uh, be a part of you and to have standing room here this morning. I love the Lord, and uh, when I hear your testimony, it encourages me. I am, um, I'm going to just in, try to jump right into this text. I've not got a, I'm going to just read you from the Gospel of St. John and, and read you some, a few passages from chapter 6. Now, um, when Jesus Christ, I, we were here today really, I mean, because, of, I mean, obviously because of Him, but we congregate here. We all have a lot of different, you know, interests and backgrounds and things, but we're joined together because of our faith. And it's, maybe we're family, maybe we've known each other a long time, but it's our faith that really binds us all together, and that's really the only thing that's going to keep us together. I want to make the point that our faith is a, I don't want to say blind faith, but it's a, it is a leap. Uh, where you where you have faith in Jesus Christ cannot come with any um, um, lifelines just in case this doesn't work out. Um, it's it's a complete commitment. However, what we believe is based in historical fact. It's not just a um, just some fabricated story that we're jumping off the deep end to to. This is real, and believers and unbelievers alike cannot dispute the facts of of the impact that this man has had on the world. There has never been a man like Jesus Christ. No one has ever lived that so impacted the world as this man did. And even unbelievers give assent all the time to his existence every time you write the date. What's today? The twelfth, February the February the twelfth, two thousand and seventeen. Two thousand and seventeen. What? Two thousand and seventeen years. Two thousand and seventeen years since what? It's Christ. The year of our Lord, two thousand and seventeen. And this is observed all over the world, and everyone recognizes. We even date all history around the life of this man. I am, it's amazing to me, I've thought about this a lot of late, because in comparison to other figures of history, he was so different. He never commanded an army. He never was the governor of a kingdom or a province. He never had great, uh, he just never had the authority of this world that was vested. He came with a very different authority. In fact, he never even wrote anything. He didn't write books. Now, his followers did. And thank God for their record. But all he did when he came was speak. He didn't fight. He just talked. And his words that he spoke had so much authority and truth and power that this world has never been the same. And here we are more than 2,000 years since his birth. And we're still talking about it. And not just us, millions of people all across the world are talking about it. His words have confounded the wisest intellectuals of this, of this earth, and they still stand. They've been challenged more than anything. 
that's ever been spoken in history of the world, and they still stand, and they always will. And so I want to just, um, I just want to read some of what he had to say. There's a certain occasion happened, Jesus performed a miracle, and he fed 5,000. And to, to just, I gotta, just to make it brief, they, all these people began to come follow after him. He had crowds of people coming to see what, and on a certain occasion, they had been with him a long time, and they were, had nothing to eat, and in his compassion, and in their necessity, he takes the five loaves that were given to him and two fishes, and he has everybody sit down, feeds everybody, and they have more to they have more leftovers than they had to start with. This was this was big news, huge. And, and the people that actually ate this meal, thousands of them, obviously went home, told every. I mean, this just enhanced the crowd. More and more people began to follow him. In fact, the press was getting so great that Jesus decided that he, he, didn't, he wasn't like you know, the rock star that glowed in the attention. He, he, when, when certain people were ministered to, he would leave them, and they loved it, he would leave them and go somewhere else. And so he takes this opportunity to send his disciples away. We've got to go to the other side. They get in a boat. They sail across the Sea of Galilee, large body of water. And Jesus stays behind, and he stays behind for rest and for prayer and during the night. Now, the people see that his disciples are gone, but he didn't go with them. And during the night, he just walks out across the sea, see, when nobody can see him, and gets in the boat with his disciples, and they continue the other side. Well, in the morning, everyone's looking for him. They can't find him. Oh, his disciples went, but he didn't go. He can't be far. And they couldn't find him. So eventually, they all took... Uh, got on their own ships and went across, and they came over looking for Jesus. And this is what, this is what it says. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? They couldn't understand how he got there. And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man hath, shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. And the way Jesus answered people is always interesting. But, because he knew their heart. He knew what, not just what they said, but he knew why they asked it. And they said, when would you come over here? We want to follow you. We want to seek you. And he says, you're not seeking me. Because you just want some more. You want me to perform another miracle and you to get another free meal. And that's essentially what they were after. Many of them were. Listen, it was that shallow, but that's not far removed from our present day. They're not the last people like that. Many, many people will seek Christ, especially in a time of crisis, and there's nothing wrong with seeking Christ in a time of crisis. But you can seek God out of a selfish motive. Not because He is Lord, but because you just need a, uh, to get out of this jam. You need a Santa Claus that's going to give you blessings and bring blessings on your life. And, you, and, and, and I, want, uh, I want good and I want, and I want God. And, and the, the whole time, the focus is still me. It's, still, it's not Him, it's me. I, I need Him to help me. 
because, you know, I'm all about myself. And many people seek God that way. This is what these people were doing. Christ knew. He knew their motive. And this is why he says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. And so they said, Okay, what, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? We want to serve God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him. Whom he hath sent. Now, isn't that interesting? That's not really a work, is it? Is that a work? Don't faith and works, the Bible teaches they work together, but they're different things. Jesus says, this is the work that you believe. So they said, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? Or what dost thou work? In other words, okay, we would like to believe, but, you know, do something, you know, do something special. We want to see something special again. We heard about all these miracles. We want to see one too. And then we'll believe. And these are the Jews speaking to him. This is what they say. Our fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. So what they're referring to is the period of time when they, the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They uh, crossed the Red Sea, escaped Pharaoh, and ran. Uh, God wrought this tremendous deliverance. And then they find themselves in this vast expanse of wilderness in the Arabian desert. And there is not enough food to supply their, I mean, not even a few people, but let alone a vast multitude, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions. And they had no, they had no supply chain. They, and so they were completely, and of course they began to despair. What God did at that time was he caused manna, Yes. To come down from heaven. Well, it didn't come down. It did come down. But what happened was it came at the night in the form of yes, dew. Sir. And yes. so when the people woke up in the morning and they went out, there was, it, was, it was almost like meal. Some kind of, I get in my mind, like cornmeal. It was a small round thing. And it laid out on the ground. They could gather that up. They made cakes. <clears throat> and God gave them instructions on how to do that. This would occur every single morning for six days a week, the entire 40 years that they were in the wilderness. This became their sustenance. This became their life. Outside of the manna, they're all dead. They have no chance to cross this vast expanse of wilderness without it. And so, in their mind, in, in Jewish tradition and in their Lord, this was like, you know, th- this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And so they're asking Christ, um, you know, give us some, some similar miracle. And what he's saying is, they said, give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again at the last day. 
And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then the Jews murmured at him, because he said, I am bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he saith, I came down from heaven? Well, of course, they didn't know the story that had been given to us in the second chapter of Luke and the first chapter of Matthew. And if they had heard anything of it, they didn't want to believe that. But in looking at this this humanity, in his humanity, they see they have this cloud of unbelief because they're looking at physical things, at temporal things, and their interest is in temporal things. And when that's your focus and that's your interest, you'll never see the spiritual realm. You can't see the spiritual picture. And it takes Christ to reveal himself to you in that way. All right, I got to skip some of this. This is this is a lengthy discourse, but it's it's just fantastic. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me. And this is what I was saying. Except the Father which hath sent me, draw him. So no man... It's the words of Christ. These are the words that change the world. No man can come to me. To the, no man can see these spiritual things that I'm talking about except God the Father draw him. And I believe that on the... Someone asked me this... And I believe that on the authority of other scriptures, that every person in some way is drawn by God's Spirit in their life. I believe that. Everyone. You all see the same sunrise. You see the same sky. You all see the glorious works of God. God is, He has declared every morning, every day, His glorious, miraculous works are put out on display... As a, for you to believe. That's why they're there. Well, when, I mean, I know it says He created, all things were created by Him and for Him. I think He created them for His Son. But they exist for us as evidence of His, um, as evidence of His sovereignty, of His almighty nature, His um, omnipotent being. They are natural temporal things, but God is not, Wanting he, he provides them for us, but you have to realize that He is a spirit. And if you're going to really worship Him, it must be in spirit and in truth. And when you come to God, your interest and your motive has to be out of the wretched condition of your heart. I realize that God is God and I am not. And I seek Him because I need a Savior. And He is our glorious Lord. Not because... Uh, this is a good guy to have on my team, and he's going to bless my life. This is a false message. It's going out. It's rampant. It's all, all you're going to get is benefit and blessing when you seek and serve God. And that's not scriptural. It's not a scriptural doctrine. This is, ex- In fact, it's quite the opposite. The more the people committed themselves to God, I mean, if you want to read of the apostles who are like in the spiritual world, the, the ones that God created and ble- that He blessed the most, that had, had the most gifts, they're the ones that endured the most suffering, the most hardship, the most difficulty. It's, 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 a, uh, it's completely opposite of the way things are in this world. So what, be careful of that. There's many people that are saying that. This is not what Christ is teaching here. He's talking about bread, and they're still thinking about the stuff you eat. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. So just as the manna in the wilderness was the substance that provided life to get the people of Israel from bondage into the promised land, Jesus Christ also has become a likeness of that. That was created to teach us about Christ. It wasn't created just merely to get them over there, but God was working. He knew this was going to be something that they could see, that they could believe in. And Jesus would come and say one day, I am the bread of life. So outside of Him, you have no chance of life and of making it to the other side. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, ironically, this is still a controversy and has been for thousands of years, really, ever since he spake it. But tonight, I want to, if you notice, I haven't, I'm not talking to you all about the particular sacrament of, the, of communion because this scripture is not talking about that, which is why I don't think we need to discuss it. This is talking about something com- totally different than that, and I can prove that in a, co- in a few verses. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I read that. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Now, for someone thinking physical things, this is hard to, hard to process. In fact, it's gotten... I mean, the natural mind cannot really comprehend that. Okay, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And, and if you, you, you really struggle, eventually you have to come to the conclusion, well, there must be some supernatural... Some supernatural transaction that takes the bread, the symbolic bread, the, the, the uh, whatever it is, and actually transforms that into the flesh of Jesus Christ. Christ is never, from the very beginning, He hasn't been talking about physical bread. It's not what he, He's not talking, and so He's not talking about His physical flesh. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So, again, not speaking about the natural bread that the fathers ate. This is something different. This is going to give life to the soul, not to the body, to the soul. These things said he in the synagogue. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, this is his disciples. Remember the big group that came after him, all the people that come seeking him. They're following after him. The big crowd that wanted another miracle. They wanted more loaves. This is what they say. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They wanted him to give them bread, but all this talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, now they're starting to have second thoughts. This is, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? 
And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before? And I want to point out right there that some of them did see that. They did see that. So he jumps from, not from just merely providing them. What if you see such a miracle as this, that you actually see the Son of Man ascend up to heaven where he was before? And Jesus says, so what if you saw that? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, the words, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that, sh- that we should betray him. He said, there un- he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him by my Father. That is a, that is a revelation of Christ. It is a personal introduction And it is one of the Spirit. It speaks to the condition of the heart. It does not necessarily speak... uh, It's not talking about the condition of your life. It's talking about the condition of your heart. And that's how God comes. That's how He appears. That's how He draws. And when you recognize that, you see Him as Lord, you realize that that He is the bread of life, and you are hungry, you are weak, you have no chance without outside of him, and that is when he begins to feed. So, but 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 back to the crowd here. So after he says this, from that time, many, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. When he began to tell them that he was not interested in what they had in mind, that it wasn't going to be this, you know, glorious life of luxury and, and a relief of their, you know, elevate them in the social strata, yes. promote them in economic uh, prosperity. That's not, they realize Jesus is talking about something very different, a commitment very, very serious in talking about life to their soul. Many, many of His disciples went back. Why? Because He knew their heart to start with. He said, you seek Me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. That was their motive. So while He has this big crowd, He's not, He he realizes He really doesn't. He's really only got a few. And what, what is remarkable, I think I want to, what's remarkable to me is that when they leave, it doesn't seem to bother Him. Man, I, now, if you were a disciple or you and I, what if we all got a big swelled congregation coming to church and we were putting on all kind of things to feed the flesh and got a lot of people to come, big crowd, and for whatever reason, someone steps and begins to speak God's words and people start to disperse. And you, the natural tendency is, what? we got to stop that. I mean, get them back. Like, okay, we, we need to go back to the drawing board. We're going to sit down with the leadership and figure out this. we got to get the people to come back again. Christ doesn't do that. And I think He's setting an example for the church. He cared, but He knew their heart. And this is what He says. He didn't run after them. He didn't try to bring them back. He just let them go. But He turns to the twelve. 
And he looks at them. Everyone. He puts his eyes on them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And that question is to you all, is to me. God is asking you, He is offering you eternal life. He is the Lord that created all things. His words have undeniably impacted the world more than any other man. It has been a long time since He lived. But He lives today. There is no way to dispute that. And He draws and He asks. But His invitation is not, is not just, I'm going to give you, give you, give you. He's asking, you give me. It's a sacrifice. It's faith. It's real commitment. It's all my stuff, all of my life, all of my interests, all of my desires, my lifestyle, my demands. Whatever it is, I give it to God, to Christ. This is what He is interested in. Your heart. Your heart. It's what's real. And then he says, and if you're not interested, he's asking to you that are. Maybe you've made a show of belief. Maybe you've had some experience. Will you go away? If God leads you into a path of adversity, leads you down a path of difficulty, maybe a period of suffering, will you go away? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so with that text, I thank God. I want to testify to You. And I don't know what God has in store for me. I don't know where life's going to lead. No doubt difficulty is coming. Because if you live long enough, it's going to find you. But I'm committed and I believe Him because He has saved my soul. Because He has given me a happy... Thank you for your message last night about peace. He has given... I've had some experience with that. And I don't have to have all of those things of the world necessarily to prop me up and give me that illusion, that sense of peace. But it's real. And it's genuine. And it is the bread from heaven. It is the words of Christ. Don't we need them? And so we need... The, if this is our bread, His words are our life. We need them every day. We need them in the morning. We need them in the evening. We need them at all times. Ingrained in our mind. Living them. They live in us. They, they teach us. They instruct us. They not only do that in, into our minds, but they instruct our hearts. They give us light. They guide us in the right way. And without that, we have no chance. And so, when he, says the, when he asks the disciples, will you also go away? A lot of people have. A lot of people have come. A lot of people have gone. And I look around, and sometimes I uh, go, I don't know if y'all ever have that feeling, but what happened? Where'd they go? <clears throat> and I read this, and I'm encouraged. And God says to me, will you go away? Yes. It's going to take a commitment, and it's going to take a real spiritual experience. It's going to take... I want you all to know, the flesh profits nothing. Nothing. And our fellowship is a wonderful thing. Our time together is a real blessing. And I want to spend my life in this way.
But it's not salvation. It ain't going to save your soul. It is not going to keep you in the hour of temptation. I don't care how much time you spend with the young folks. It won't keep you. It's the Spirit. Spirit that quickens. That gives life. And the flesh profits nothing. Love you all. Pray for me.